Passing Dimes is over the moon to partner with BetStamp. BetStamp is a mobile app in the sports betting space that shows you the odds from every sports book in one spot. Do you enjoy betting on the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, World Cup, or more? With BetStamp, you can compare the best available odds at one sportsbook versus the worst odds at another sportsbook all in one place. Go to the App Store today and download BetStamp for free and use code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S. For a limited time, BetStamp is offering you, a friend of the show, an opportunity to learn more about BetStamp and several sportsbooks where you can get an edge in online sports betting. Message the Passing Dimes Instagram or Facebook account for more information. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. She attended Saunders Secondary School in London while playing for LVC, where she's a 17U silver medalist. She went on to play for Ryerson, where she's a national champion and also an academic All-Canadian. She went and played pro in Germany before joining U Sports again, this time as a Western Mustang. Please welcome to the show, Lindsay Kluskins. Liz- Lindsay, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. It's really so- fun. Lindsay, you wrote a pretty famous blog about uh, your experience of kind of going from the C team to being a national champion. And I'm curious if you could just elaborate on that show. So uh, with you being a C team athlete, I'm curious, uh, when did you start playing volleyball and what other sports were you into at a pretty young age? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was a basketball player. That was kind of my plan for the rest of my life up until about grade 10. Uh, I played basketball, you know, up through elementary school and in high school and actually started volleyball as more of a means to cross train for basketball. Um, my mom had kind of said, you know, like, yeah, you got you got a little time open here and there. Like you might as well try it and see if you like it. And, you know, I went to play high school volleyball for fun anyways. Um, I totally just fell in love with the sport. So in grade nine, I was playing on LDC's C team, um, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> it wasn't the most competitive volleyball. All of us were just kind of trying to figure it out. Um, and then the next year I had rolled up to tryouts. I was still playing volleyball, mostly as a means to get better at basketball. Um, but I went to tryouts. I was pretty tall. I was probably around six feet. I haven't grown much since then, then actually, <laughs> but, uh, it's pretty tall, somewhat athletic. And, uh, the coach of the A team had come over and asked me if I would be interested in joining his team more as a project. And like, he just said straight up, like, you're not going to play this season. Like we're going to take you on. We're going to try to turn you into a volleyball athlete, but you know, you got a lot, lot of work to do if you want to do it. And um, yeah, I talked with my mom and I was like in complete shock. That was not something that I expected at all. I, I did really want to try to crack the B team that year. Uh, but yeah, they offered me a spot on that team and I took it and just ran with it. <laughs> So if you had to think back, what was the switch? Because uh, obviously basketball and volleyball, you're, you're still jumping and being athletic and stuff, but one's an invasion sport trying to score and one's a net sport, right? So what clicked in volleyball that made it kind of turn into your passion a little bit more than basketball was? To be honest, at the time, it was just like, it was more about playing that I liked so much. And I think and I think even more like practice, like I just loved going to volleyball practice, whereas I wasn't loving going to basketball practice. I loved playing, like I loved our games, but um, training just seems like just kind of like this difficult, like sad thing you had to do to get better. <laughs> Whereas like I loved going to volleyball practice. And I also think part of it was because I was really not very good at it was that every week was like a new challenge of trying something a lot. And it, it did not come very naturally to me at all. Like basketball I had some kind of natural skill at it. Volleyball, that was out the window. Like there was, there was nothing. So it was a lot of, 
it was, it was very challenging. And I think I really, really enjoyed the challenge of trying to get better at something. And with you attending Saunders, uh, did that help as well? Because obviously a pretty competitive sports school, but also very passionate about volleyball overall. So uh, I know you're having a good club experience, but did the school experience help as well? Because I imagine most of your teammates would have been club players as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So when I started with the A team, I was in grade 10. Um, there were three girls on my club team who also went to my high school. So Maddie Lethbridge, Jessica Chung, and Mia Bricker. They were all playing up on the senior team because they were really good. Uh, but playing high school definitely helped me a lot in my first year. So it was, was kind of interesting. We were on the same club team, but in high school, they were up and I was still on the junior team. Um, but especially once I made it to grade 11, like being able to play with those girls at club and then also in high school where we were just getting good training every day after school as well. Like that helps so much, even just getting like extra reps. And um, yeah, we had a good team and we had, we had a lot of fun doing it too. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad you mentioned that the training's more fun because I think that's when you can actually achieve something is when practicing becomes enjoyment versus something you dread. But uh, at the club, having coaches like Wayne Rabley and Pat Johnson and a few other at LBC, uh, did they help kind of switch on your passion in sports? I know you had a lot of good coaches of the year, but what can you say about Wayne and Pat and everyone else at LBC that kind of helped turn not only yourself, but your club into like a, a national finalist? I, I haven't too many good things to say about all the coaches I had at LVC, like even starting from the C team, um, like Jamie Crook, uh, is actually one of my best friends, dads. And so, you know, C team, I met like some of my best friends through that team as well. Um, and then going up with Wayne and Pat and Paul, like we just had such a good experience and they're such great technical coaches, um, and personable coaches too. Um, so I'm just super, super grateful that, you know, like Wayne initially took the, I don't know, had some kind of foresight to see that like maybe she could play volleyball. Um, and that was a huge risk to take, you know, that team that I joined, they were doing really well in the years before, like they were winning provincials, winning medals each weekend. And so I think he really did have to put his neck out on the line a bit to say like, we're going to take this girl who sucks and add her to our team, which is already really good. Yeah. So I have a lot of appreciation for him doing that in the first place, uh, but also really helping me develop uh, my skills. I mean, my first five months on the A team was like, it was tough. I was a huge drill killer, like just a liability on the court. And so um, we were in drills where like, I would go off to the side with Paul Merritt, who is our assistant coach and like literally be setting against the wall, like learning how to pass against the wall, learning little things on the side. Um, but they really did put the time and effort into helping me catch up, um, which was just, it was awesome. And yeah, I have a lot of respect for all of them. And uh also, just the way they coached the game and the way that they were able to help us was was phenomenal. I love hearing this. So I think uh, as a fan of growth mindset and challenge point, I'm not in my head being like, this is awesome. But I mean, that had to get tested. And even like, as you're explaining this, even socially, like you're watching a drill go on behind you and you're passing against the wall. Like, how did you stay connected that you were going to get better or this was worth it? Because uh, I know we all love to learn. And when it pays off, we get that that huge rise. But at the same time, we don't like being bad at stuff for so long. So how did you kind of get over that? Were, the, were there any days that uh, your parents had to like convince you to go to practice or not to quit because you were like the maybe the worst player on the team for a few months there? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Let's see. I think, um, yeah, I was by far the worst player. Um, like I said, like there's three girls on my club team that were at my school and I was like, you know, friends with them at school, but they were obviously all super close. And I, I yeah, yeah, like, like Jessica Chung is like, she would not be my pepper partner. Like, and I would ask her cause she was probably who I was closest with on the team at that part. And like, Oh, I just remember like we would go to get balls and like, 
I, she won't mind me saying this, but she would like actively look for other people first so that I couldn't be like, hey, Jessica, like, will you be my partner? <laughs> um, so that was, I mean, like tough. It's so funny now because, I mean, it's just a good, good story now. But I think, yeah, I just really, really wanted to get better. And I mean, I, it's not like I didn't know what I was getting into, right? Like at the beginning of the season when he said, we're going to take you on, you're not going to play. Like, it's not like, oh, we think, we think you could come compete with our team. It's like, you're, we're taking you just as is like, it's, it's raw talent. We're going to try to figure it out. So having that expectation was good. And knowing that, um, well, I mean, having the freedom of not having expectations is just like a freedom, like no other to kind of learn how to play. Um, and also like a little bit of, yeah, it's socially tough not being in the drill. And I think that was driven by like a little bit of embarrassment. Cause I, I wanted to get to that point of being in the drill. So it's like, okay, you know, you're getting taken out now. Like, yeah, it's not fun getting taken out, but you have to work if you want to get in there. And so I really did want to be able to compete with those girls and, you know, like earn my spot on the team because I knew that they were taking a chance on me. And so I really did want to earn my position there. Now, obviously there, there isn't going to be like one moment where this clicked or like a movie like montage, but I'm curious as you go from C team to practice player to when did you have the aha moment that you could be like a university level player? Oh, I, I can give you like a very specific moment <laughs> for that. It was, it was my movie montage moment. Um, yeah, I was pretty much just a practice player for all of my first year on the A team. So that was 16U. I did start playing a little bit probably in like February. I don't, I don't think I would have been starting by the end of that season. And then the next year I was chipping away a little bit more, you know, I'd get um, practice during the summer too, doing like LBC's training camps. Um, and at nationals of 17U, I just remember in pool play, like just something clicked with, especially with the slide attack, like me and Simone, my center were just like, so, some connection just flipped into place. And I was like, oh, like I can hit a ball. Like I, I can hit a ball and I can hit it well. Um, and so that was like a real click moment for me. And um, we did quite well at nationals that year. I think we got second and, but yeah, it was just, that was a moment where I was like, wow, I love volleyball. I, I loved it before then, but I just had so much fun that weekend. It was so, it was such a good time. Nice. So who initiated it? Did you speak to coaches? Did coaches identify you? Did your club coaches say like, Hey, Lindsay, you should probably think about uh, contacting some schools you want to go to. Like what was kind of the first process about contacting schools? Yeah. Um, I was, I was pretty lucky in the recruiting aspect. Um, I actually had a, a few schools reach out to me. Um, so there was three out West and then, uh, TMU or Ryerson and Waterloo. Um, so I pretty much chose between those five, um, and kind of went to look at the campuses, look at the programs. Yeah, I, I did have, a, I had a smooth recruiting process. It was, it was nice. I went to tour Ryerson's campus, uh, did some practice with Dustin and the girls and, just, just loved being there, loved being in downtown Toronto. And, um, it just seemed like a good match. I honestly, like at that time, because I was so new to volleyball too, like I didn't know a ton about OUA volleyball, but like when Dustin reached out, I didn't know what Ryerson was. I didn't know that was a school. Um, so that turned <laughs> um, pretty quickly, but yeah, I didn't know a ton about OUA volleyball. Like, I think I might've looked at their standings and I was like, oh, okay. Like they're hosting nationals this year, but like kind of middle of the pack. Um, I think they had cracked final four a few times and I was like, yeah, like seems like a good enough spot. Like I, there's a few girls from London and yeah. Yeah. I wasn't getting recruited by like, you know, um, U of T or Mac or Western or Queens, like those like top four schools. Um, and so I just figured that was a good place for me to go. 
Nice. And the roster was chipping away. You did mention that they did host nationals and then obviously your year uh, to go over the top and we'll spoil it here for our listeners, but to win nationals. But uh, it was kind of a cool mix of young and old. And, and the reason I say that is there was yourself and I think Janelle Albert and Lauren Veltman were all pretty young, but uh, Julie Longman had kind of been through the program, built it up. And I think Tiana was there uh, and maybe a couple of other vets I, I'm forgetting here. But when you got on campus, was the mood around to, to win nationals or what was the sense you got from the team as soon as you got there? I would say like once we started training as a team, we set our goals early in the season. I don't know if we ever said, I don't think like nationals wasn't really in the conversation and we were in a position where only one team from the OUA was going to get to go to nationals. So we were so focused on competing in the OUA um, that I don't think we talked much about nationals, to be honest. Um, We did have like, a few goals, you know, to, to do well. And I think we probably said we wanted to win the OUA championship, but that just developed stronger and stronger as the season went. Um, I don't think it was something we said right at the beginning of the year, but you know, we started playing, we were winning, keep playing, still winning. We get to halfway. We haven't lost a game yet. And um, yeah, I really respected the the older players on our team, like Julian Piana, like, that was that was a vocal point in practices of like we need to perform like a championship team like we need to act like champions we need to train like champions like if we want to get there um and that started becoming more and more clear that that was going to be our goal to win an OUA championship um yeah does that answer your question yeah for sure for sure and uh one behind the scenes thing that I thought was interesting about your team and, and Dustin and I laugh about this is uh my understanding is you guys didn't train five or six times a week. Like I understand it was limited where Dustin even said the joke, like, I think I just got myself in trouble with the athletic director. Cause now they think you can win nationals training as little as three times a week. So what was going on there that uh, obviously his goal was load management and keeping practices like fun, but did you ever get thrown off being like, guys, we only trained three times this week. Like what's going on? Well, yeah. And like, I remember talking to him after the season, he was like, oh, there's like a method to the madness. There's a method to the madness. I was like, okay. But I mean, for me, it wasn't too different because coming from club, you, you train twice a week, or at least that's what my team did. Like some clubs probably do a little bit more because there's lots going on with high school sports too. But, um, it didn't seem outrageous. And I mean, in preseason, we trained pretty hard. Um, we took like our strength and conditioning very seriously, which I think helped us a lot as well. But yeah, once we got to playoffs, we were on court twice a week, which seemed crazy. Like we lifted, I think probably Monday, Wednesday, and we practiced Tuesday, Thursday, and and that was it. Um, yeah, I don't know. We did a lot of game planning. I think that definitely helped because we all knew we all knew our game plan so well, and we did we spent a lot of time scouting and um, being smart about training too. So even though we didn't train a ton. I, I just think we did it in a really thoughtful and like executed well when we did. Yeah. Like if you think back as an athlete, did you feel like you never had to monitor your own jumps or you can compete every day? Cause I think that's the worry sometimes where maybe you do four or five team practices a week and two like morning sessions, more uh, position specific or whatever some U sports teams are doing now. Um, when you guys are literally going like two or three times a week leading into playoffs, what was it all go or were some of them still pretty light? Well, yeah. So because we weren't training as much, like our practices were, were like really good practices. Like we were able to really give everything we had, um, during those. So yeah, yeah. I think that did help. And, um, our strength and conditioning coach was really honest about, uh, mobility and injury prevention as well. So 
Also, even though we were only training twice a week, like we were taking our weights seriously. And so that included mobility, but also like maintaining strong muscles and ability to jump. So with the level of game planning, hopefully Dustin doesn't mind you sharing this, but um, how, how detailed would it get uh, in terms of your competition? Like, do you think that was a huge difference maker in getting you through the OUA that year was just, you guys were a little bit more prepared or you kind of knew what other teams primary or what their objective was going to be? Yeah, sure. So that's definitely something we talked about while we were game planning too, is, you know, our coaches would say, we want to give you guys enough information, but we don't want to overload you because you can flip that switch and get too much information where you're just not thinking about the right stuff at the right time. So back then, you know, OUA was a final four weekend and you played your semifinal and your final back to back. And you had to game plan all week for your semifinal. And then depending on how those games went, you had like 18 hours to game plan for the next team. Cause you don't know who you're playing. You don't know how you're going to play all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, we did, we did get game plan pretty intensely. I think our coaches put a ton of work into that. So that was also helpful that it wasn't really on the players to figure that out. Like our coaches put all our game sheets together for us. Um, and then it was kind of a matter of like, okay, here's the four videos that you need to watch there. There's four videos. They're all five minutes long. Like here's their attacking reels. Here's what their serving looks like. Here's what their defense system looks. And like Becky Zeman at the time would like screenshot freeze frame their defensive systems. So I was like, okay, on an A or sorry, on a, on a quick or a 50, I was like, I know their six is here. Their one is here. Their five is here. This is where I have to bail out if I need a tip option. So we did game plan for that very well. And um, yeah, our coaches were great at like deciphering what the most important information was for us at that time. Yeah. I love how much they broke it down because you guys obviously have your studies and everything else going on that they made it pretty simple to learn. But, uh, I am curious, um, do you remember who you played in the OUA final? Like where where you guys felt like this is, this is going to be a battle or like, this is confirming all the work you put in. Like, did you kind of feel like this was like a process and you needed to get it? Or this was like confirmation of all everything you've already done. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure we played Western in the semi and then we played McMaster in the finals. Yeah. I, we, you know, yeah, like I said, we were doing really well that season. We, ha- we hadn't lost that season, which is also something we talked about because there is like somewhat of a burden of winning, as Dustin would call it, as that like you're almost expected to keep doing it and you have to like defend your streak and that kind of stuff. So we did talk about it a lot, um, but we hadn't experienced that kind of adversity. And so that was something we were cautious about. And I remember going into our quarterfinal, which was against Waterloo. And I was like, actually a nervous wreck like I think Maddie Timpany took me by the shoulders and was like Lindsay like it's okay like you're gonna be fine and I was like okay okay and so you know little first year me got on the court but um yeah once we got through that quarterfinal and into our semis um I think that went pretty smoothly if I remember and then yeah we I I just felt so much freedom to be able to play because our team knew each other so well and we we had really established our systems and all that kind of stuff so there wasn't really a lot um, left to be figured out. Um, and we were just kind of able to play and compete and we knew where, where we, what we needed to do. Now, 
Uh, how did you guys battle kind of sometimes the expectation of going to national? So obviously you just won the OUA, so that confirms your spot. You're riding an undefeated season. But at any point, was it kind of like, oh, we reached our goal because now we're going to nationals? Or was the goal always to talk about winning nationals? And the reason I bring that up is at the time you took it down, it wasn't that common for OUA schools. I mean, U of T just did it a couple of years before. So maybe that uh, ignited the goal on you guys. But also, I believe it was Ryerson slash TMU's first national banner. So at the same time, like you're not coming from a program history either. So did any part of, of you or the squad feel like, oh, goal accomplished, we're going to nationals versus like work's not done yet? Yeah, I think um, I think it was a little bit of both, if I'm being honest. Like we had, I don't think we talked about it too much uh, at the beginning of the season, like I said, but once we won OUAs, like we knew we still had more to give because um, we had kind of seen what our best volleyball looked like and we knew that we could compete with those top teams. So we wanted to go and just put our best foot forward, but also saying that, like, I don't think there was really any, any expectations from anyone else for us to do well. Like they seated us sixth in the national ranking. We're the only team in the country. I think that hadn't lost a game that year. And they put us in sixth because we were an OUA team. So we played the third team in the country for our first game. And um, it was UBCO and we went down the first two sets, uh, which was stressful. And also it was the first time, not the first time this season. I think we had gone down to and probably pulled out a win somehow before, but yeah, it's just, it's different. It's a team you haven't played yet this season. And suddenly we're down two. we've made it so far and it's like, Oh, what's happening. And I remember Janelle like turns to us after, after the second set, she's like, well, we're not here to play for fifth. So let's figure it out. And so at that point we just somehow turned it around. We pulled out a win in five against UBCO. Um, but yeah, there was not, there was not a lot of expectations for, for anything else we then played calgary in the semi and i think they were ranked they were either ranked one or two going in and on the like youth sports poll of like who do you think is going to win calgary or um tmu and it was like 87 to 13 like everyone <laughs> thought calgary was going to win that game and then we took them in four so yeah it was fun <laughs> that's so funny you bring that up about like the oua not getting the respect did now that you look back, is any part of it extra confirming to know that you went through three Canada West teams? Because it was Alberta in the final, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Honestly, the the ranking system, I just find is such a distraction because none of it actually helps you. Or, I mean, I guess it can hurt you if you look too far into it um, going on. So we weren't overly concerned with where we were placed anyways. Like, I don't think anybody was... Like, oh, like, why why don't they have us as first? Why don't they have us in the top four or whatever? Like, it, it just was what it was. But, um, yeah, it was definitely nice, especially because everybody is always like, oh, Can West is the best division. Can West the best. Like, they stomp on everyone. And then so we really earned our spot to the final. And um, I think we really earned the, the gold in the end, too. For sure. And just looking at some of your stats, like obviously you're, you're contributing and I mean, you had a, a, a postseason high of eight and a half points there. And when you include your kills and blocks there in the gold medal game. So is that kind of funny to look back extra and be like, I just started taking this seriously around 16 and now I'm a first year and I'm a national champion. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good moment for me for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. Especially going in as a first year, I, I really didn't have a lot of expectations of even being on the court. So getting to be able to do that, um, yeah, it was awesome. I think especially in the postseason is when I started connecting more with what, you know, OUA U Sport Volleyball looks like and what that means for attacking. Because, you know, when you move up in levels, your best shots don't always score when you move to a better league. Like, 
I noticed that going from club to OUA volleyball. I noticed that going OUA volleyball to pro volleyball. Um, so once I kind of figured that out and once we figured that out, yeah, that was really nice. It's also like getting some sets, getting some points and kind of being able to pull blockers in different directions. That just, it, it makes it a lot easier also for the other people on my team. If I can, you know, alleviate some pressure on our outsides by just being an option for our setter. And to jump ahead to the the following season, did the mood change at all? Because obviously the team had just competed at nationals. I think they finished seventh uh, the year you guys hosted. And then you guys come in and you take one down. So now is the mood that like, that was awesome. Let's do it again. Or because people are graduating and things are different. Like uh, obviously every team's going to be a little bit different, but how did your second year feel? Yeah. I mean, we lost some really key players um, in our second year. So Julie had graduated out and Janelle uh, decided to go to Fanshawe instead obviously tough losing those key players, but the mood was still the same of, we want to get that championship. We want to go to nationals. We want to compete. We want to get another national championship as well. Um, so because we had done well uh, the year before, it was nice that OUA had two bids to go to nationals that year. Uh, and unfortunately we fell in the OUA finals to U of T, I believe. Um, and then somehow surpassed them at nationals because uh, I think they played Trinity in their first round but we ended up making it back to the national final and then lost a tough five setter to UBC that year so a lot of work still goes into that season and you know that was also, also a really good experience it's kind of kind of hard to look at it that way because the year before we had won it but you know two silver medals the next year isn't so bad either and we did put a lot of work into that and I think we did train well and we did train with the intent of getting there so um, we just fell a little bit short but still put everything in together for sure and just to just skip ahead a little bit here to your pro year so was that influenced a little bit by the covid year is that why you wanted to go out and try pro or did you uh did you graduate from tmu before you actually took the trip to germany i, I think you did do four years i'm just curious uh did covid kind of accelerate your choice to go overseas yeah so i had always intended on doing four years for my degree um so it didn't it didn't um I was four years at TMU. Obviously, the last one was a COVID year, so we didn't really get much at all, which which was too bad. But I was planning on graduating. And so the only thing left was either, okay, I'm going to go back and do a certificate and get my last year with TMU because I really did have such a good experience. And I was pretty bummed that I didn't get to, you know, have better closure on that experience. But um, at the end of the day, it was just either I go do a certificate that I don't really need and, you know, try to keep this alive or I push myself to move on. And, you know, I, I had such a good experience at TMU, but you can't try to recreate the memories you've already had. And so just knowing that other people were moving on and that it was never going to be the same. Yeah. I always have so much like love and respect for that program and what it's given for me, but it was just kind of time to move on. So through my, through my hat in the ring for pro. <laughs> and uh, I'm always just curious how people get the, the, the process down here because some of us, uh, excuse me, some players, they just hire an agent that their coach tells them to and they find a club and everything seems super easy. And then other people are like, oh no, somebody I used to play with said they needed a left side and I just decided to go. Like, uh, And there's a huge spectrum there, but I'm curious, uh, how did you kind of get your first pro contract? Yeah, um, it's, it's, so, it's so weird because like, there's so many options out there, but I feel like in Canada, we don't, we don't always know how to go about it. So yeah, I'm more than happy to talk about it. But um, basically I made an account with Volleybox, which is like LinkedIn of volleyball, I guess. Um, and I had kind of started putting myself out there and a few agents had reached out. Um, and I saw one that has a few Canadian national team members on it. And I was like, all right, good enough for me. Um, and so I signed with him 
um, and he was able to find some find some teams for me. And was that all based on your video, or, or how did yes. you kind of connect it? Yeah, so just coaches yeah. watching video, and then um, how did you decide on the club uh, you eventually went with? Well, it, it actually wasn't much of a decision. Like my agent and I had kind of decided on where I want to go, um, and he was really great about figuring out what I needed because not everybody has the same like wants for pro like some people wanted to just go like top team no matter what it takes even if nobody speaks English um, I just want to get the best contract I can some people you know want to be somewhere where there's going to be two or three people who are Canadian or American that they can speak English with so we kind of had that conversation and I was like you know I I do want to compete I want to get better I want to play in a good league but I don't think I want to be somewhere where I'm not going to like get along socially with everybody. Um, so yeah, he kind of took that and he found a team in Germany in the first league and he, um, was able to like get an offer out of them for me. And we kind of talked about it and he was like, like, you should definitely take this team. He's like, you know, it's a lot of people spend years trying to get into Germany. So if you can take this offer, like you really should, um, he's like, you know, Germany doesn't pay great in their first year, but it's like the volleyball is going to be really good. Um, they're very by the book there. So, you know, you're going to get paid and yeah. And uh, before we get to the volleyball, what was your first impression of just like the town and the community you're in? Cause I'm looking at pictures here and some of the architecture looks a little bit like a Disney movie. So I'm wondering, was it a pretty cool experience to be in? Uh, I'm just trying to actually figure out where in Germany it is, but it's Southern Germany. I think you were in. Yeah. Uh, in Bavaria, it's the town was called Straubing. Um, it, it is like a Disney movie there. It's all like Snow White kind of vibe. Um, yeah, the town was 40,000 people. So I flew into Munich. It's about an hour away. Um, so my coach came, picked me up, and uh, we just like had a chat on, on the way. And yeah, I saw the town. My two roommates were there once I got there. And so, yeah, I basically got into the place. I'd been traveling for like 20 hours at that point, And they were like, we'll like have a nap and then we'll go get dinner or something. So we just took our bikes and like rode into the town to get dinner that night. And it was like all cobblestone. I was like, where am I? Like, this is so cool. So, um, yeah, I really liked out there. <laughs> and you talked about the experience you were looking for. So with Germany and, and the foreigner rule, it seems pretty friendly where, uh, you weren't lucky enough to have another Canadian on your team, but you did have some Americans, I think a Dutch athlete. And then, uh, typically Germans are, are pretty good English speakers. So did you feel pretty welcome with the squad as soon as you got there? Yeah, so our team spoke English in all team settings, which is great. Our coaches were uh, Dutch and Austrian, so they both spoke English. Um, it was half German girls, and all of them spoke English. Uh, two girls from the Netherlands, one girl from Belgium. Um, but yeah, it's it's honestly remarkable over there. Everybody can speak a bunch of languages and, and speak them well. So uh, I lived with one of the American girls, Julia Brown, uh, and uh, one of the girls from Belgium, uh, Amber Dutton. Uh, yeah, and they were great. And it was very nice to live with somebody who speaks your language. And even Amber like spoke quite good English as well. Um, cause it's just nice to be able to build that social aspect and like kind of have some connections, you know, when you go home for the day, you know, you're on court, on court so much and training so much. I, I think it's important to have those, those friendships off the court as well. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't have had two better roommates. It was really fun in that regard as well. Nice. And I'm curious with the time of being a pro athlete, because uh, with you being an academic All-Canadian, obviously you were, you were working hard at your studies. But now that that's off the table, uh, what did you do to replace the time? Like, did you just find that uh, your practice schedule and your lifting schedule was so heavy that that was enough? Or did you have a lot of time to kill? It was so busy in Germany. <laughs> so 
I thought I was going to have a lot of time to kill because talking to a few girls who have gone over for volleyball and um, we had a few friends who went to go play basketball in Europe as well. They're like, you know, it's kind of similar, but you don't have school. So it's like playing the same amount as volleyball or basketball, volleyball here, but no school to fill up your other things. So they had said like, oh, we're kind of bored. And I was working online for an IT company. I'm still working there actually. Um, And they said, well, if you want to work a few hours, like week to week online while you're over there, go ahead. So I, I went with the intention of spending like 10 or 20 hours a week online, just like making some money and still um, kind of adding to my resume and learning stuff from the company. Um, but when I got there, it was like, okay, well, we practice twice a day, every day, no matter what part of season. And we play on Saturdays and we're starting training on Monday. So you get one day off and you're on court or in the weight room for at least four hours a day. So even though that's only four hours a day, you actually like need another hour for physio stretching rehab, another hour for a nap every day. Cause you're so tired. Like it does, it took up a lot more of my time than I, I kind of expected, but that was also really good because I think that was, that was a bit of a testament to the level of volleyball that was going on over there and just how skilled the players were. Like you can see why they're so good when they're putting so many hours in. Yeah, I was curious, like, does your body eventually adjust to this heavy load? Or did you feel at any time it was too much? And I, and I don't want to say that we're doing too less or we're too sensitive to load management. But even uh, Lexi Pollard, who we've had on the show recently, like Brazil's crazy in, in the level they do. And it sounds like your German schedule is quite similar where like, does your body figure it out? Or are you almost like redlining and you are approaching an injury when you do just this much? Yeah, um, yes and no. Your like body clock, I think gets used to it, like of just just the schedule. It's like anything, like you adapt to the schedule of it. Um, it is really hard on your body. And I don't think I was totally prepared for what was coming in that regard. Um, I definitely felt it in my knees as middle. We only had three middles on our team and one of the other two were severely injured all the time. And like for the last two months of the season, um, they were both kind of injured, which meant I was our only practicing middle Sunday, uh, which is just a ton of jumps. Um, and so my knees were really feeling it. Um, went and got an MRI and there was like, there's nothing we can really do. It's just going to really hurt. And I was like, okay, great. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was hard on the body, but um, yeah, there are different ways to manage it. It depends on the team you go to as well. Like, you know, some teams have so much money that, they're hiring doctors to be at every practice and they've got all the technology they need to make sure that you're ready to play the next day. So yeah, depends on where you go, but you do, you learn really quickly that you have to take care of your body. The nation's best are coming to Hamilton. The Marauders are proud to host the 2023 U Sports Men's Volleyball National Championship and will welcome the top men's volleyball teams in Canada to McMaster University. Eight teams, 11 games, and only one champion. Secure your spot now and be there to catch all of the action. Your seat awaits. Tickets are available at marauders.ca slash tickets. So again, just to kind of celebrate your career going from C team to, you know, a national champion at U Sports to now a pro player. Um, I'm curious, what was the jump going from U Sports to pro? Because Germany is obviously a very competitive league. You find yourself in D1. So did you have kind of those moments again where you're kind of like, oh, these shots aren't going to work? Or were you still having a lot of success, like running the slide and going off one foot? Like what was kind of the difference in the volleyball? Or did you feel because you were competing for a national championship at TMU that you were prepared to play D1 in Germany? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was 
it was a big shift, um, especially with that COVID year in between. Like I really was training wherever I could, but we had such strict lockdowns in Canada uh, and in Ontario, especially that, you know, you do what you can, but it's, it's not like getting six on six touches. Uh, um, so yeah, going, going from that, especially like those first few weeks, I was like really just kicking it into high gear, trying to shake off that rust as fast as I could. Um, you know, despite trying to do whatever I could to not have to go through that once I got there. Um, but it is a big step, especially for me. Like I'm already kind of undersized as a middle in Canada. Like I'm, I'm scratching six feet and I was tied for the shortest middle in the entire league in Germany. So pretty undersized. And even within my team, like I'm 183 centimeters. The other girls were 190 and 197 centimeters, which is like six, 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 seven. Like they're a lot bigger than me. And um, Samantha Cash, she's from San Diego. Uh, she was one of them. She played at Pepperdine. Like, she's awesome. She's super fast. She's tall. She jumps high. And the other one's 6'7", also has a tons of experience. She's from Germany. Um, she's been playing in that league or the league under for years and kind of knows what that's like. So it was an adjustment getting there. Also just getting there and, like, literally looking up at my teammates going, like, oh, my God, like, what the hell am I doing here? Um, I'm, I'm so tired. <laughs> like, what's going on? Um so figuring that out pretty quick and getting into game plan, it was frustrating because at TMU, I was having a lot of success on that side attack. And um, I get to Germany and it, it's going okay, but some shots that I used to make that were like foolproof for me are just not scoring. Like they're getting picked up every time. The defense is, is so good um, and they're so mobile. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of an adjustment and yeah, going for blocking and having to really be so much more technical with how I approach that was, was also quite different because you just have a more specified role on your team and because your defense sets up so specifically around you uh, when we got to that league. And yeah, I'm just blocking against some really high jumpers and kind of trying to figure out, you know, the attacker has the advantage and they're probably jumping half a foot higher than me. So like, how am I going to get touches on this ball? And how am I going to contribute so that even if I don't get the touch, how's my defense going to get a ball? So it was a big adjustment um, just from the level of play, um, but also really, really cool because the girls around me were so good. And it's really fun to just compete with people who, who are better than you. Um, and that was my reality for, you know, most of the season, to be honest, especially when I first got there of just realizing like how good girls my age could get. And like, we had a pretty young team. Like everyone was around my age. We had two 16 year olds that were on our team who went to the high school and in, in town um, and who also played with us. And, you know, they competed, they, they held their own. Um, one of them was actually the starting setter this year. So um, yeah, all the respect for her, but it was, it was a big jump of learning a different style of play as well. Now, did you draw from your, your 15 year old, 16 year old self of like treating it like a challenge? Like at any point, did you kind of get the poor me's and be like, I'm this foreigner, they paid so much to get me here. I'm supposed to be the pro. And now I, I'm just fighting to feel like I belong. Or did you just keep treating it like a challenge and keep working? Yeah, I, I, I definitely tried to treat it as a challenge. Uh, and I think I, I did a pretty good job of that for as, as long as I could. I really, really wanted to earn my spot on that team. And, and to be honest, I did. I actually played a ton on that team. Um, and that was also due to some injury. It, it was very challenging, but in a different way because, you know, in club and um, at TMU, the challenge was nobody's expecting me to perform well. 
And I want to prove them wrong. And I want to say that I can perform well and that I, I can compete and I can score points and I can, I can be a threat defensively as well. Whereas when you get to pro, like this club is paying you to be there. Like they've paid to fly me across the world. And now it's not, oh, this girl who came from the C team is like coming to play pro and we already have two middles and we're going to see what she can do. It's like, well, we're paying her a lot of money. She's only here on a one-year contract. Like we need her to score points. Like that's the expectation is that you're winning. Um, and that was just, it, it was a different kind of challenge. And, you know, that, that happens on any pro team. I wasn't, I wasn't unprepared for that, but it is a different kind of stress um, because just the expectations were, were a lot higher. And, um, you know, in, in Ontario, I think the volleyball community is pretty small. So especially in university, like people who knew me kind of knew my story of starting late and just trying to figure it out. And like, she'll have some good points, but she makes some really stupid mistakes too. Cause I'm still figuring out volleyball IQ. Um, whereas like that wouldn't happen in Germany. Like it's like you make a stupid mistake and like, you're getting yelled at. It's not funny anymore. You're, you know, it's like, you just lost as a point, like figured out. So yeah, it, it's just, it's a different kind of stress, but, um, yeah. Yeah. To pull on that specifically on the defensive side, because like you said, outsides are just absolutely skying. So was it your hand placement? Was it your timing of your press? Where like if you're giving up some some inches at the net, what did you do to kind of capitalize on your athleticism to still feel like you could play defense? Because if there's a gap in the block or if they're just going over or around you, obviously those are hard balls to dig. So how did you like still contribute while like kind of problem solving, like you said, because you weren't just going to out jump or out physical these athletes. You had to be a little bit smarter. So what kind of caught up in your brain that you were able to contribute? Because the, the middle blocking position is the defense. If you guys break down, then it's hard to play defense, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so actually one of my, my, my assistant coach actually told me this last year, but one of the reasons they, they offered me a contract is because they thought that I read this, um, like the situation pretty well and that I was pretty good at anticipating where the ball was going. So that's always been a pretty good asset for me is just having the speed and the, I guess the IQ to know where the ball is probably going to go and kind of being there. Um, so that definitely helped me a lot of just getting in the right position and also you know with your systems if I was playing uh against a front row setter and we knew they were running a slide in the outside we would system that I'm going to take the tips on the slide I'm not even going to try to go up so I pretty much have two people to block maybe three people to block are outside the pipe and maybe the back uh row right side which is um coming out of one like that's it's a bit of a slower set so you can get out there um so that helps me a lot and um kind of learning um blocking systems a bit more of just really being so specific of going straight over um i think oua sometimes you can get away with like blocking the ball and just like get the ball to the ground whereas here the attackers are so smart and they see it so well that like you have to go straight over because even if they don't find your block we know that the defense is there whereas i, I can't get away with reaching to the side in that league otherwise they're bouncing it into six and it's like okay well Lindsay that was your ball like there's, there's nobody else who's digging that um so yeah learning that was was a bit of a bit of an adjustment but yeah it was really fun and the German league is very fast like they run a really fast offense which I actually I really enjoy because you know it's just quick you don't have a lot of time to think you just go and jump so that was good for me 
So if you were to encourage a younger middle, like you said, there there is no time to think. So I, I think this gets overblown where I don't think you're reacting. I think what you just touched on there is you almost create a priority list, right? Where you kind of figure out where the primary hitter is or the one you can't get beat. And then are you kind of just reading it out from there where I'm not saying it's okay if we get beat by, I don't know, the C ball or whatever, but that's like your lowest priority, right? Versus if you give a one-on-one to like the left side in that rotation, it's kind of like, well, that was your job, right? So is that what you're yeah. doing is just you feel like because you did the prep work and you're prepared that you can then react and read better when the moment like presents itself yeah for sure and i think that has a lot to do with like our pre-game planning as well um because so for example if, if i'm giving up blocking on the slide that's not just me giving up that's me taking over for another responsibility so now i'm taking all of the tips and our libero or whoever's in five they can get like hard set in to dig a hard ball coming down the line and know that I'm taking the tips. Whereas, you know, if I'm blocking with them, we're taking more lines. There's probably not as hard of a shot coming, but the libero now has that responsibility of taking the tip. So yeah, it is a bit about prioritizing who's most likely to get the ball and who's most likely to score. Um, but also finding ways to contribute even when you're not like in the play. So if you're out, if I'm not blocking, I'm, I'm covering or I'm doing something else. Yeah, so cool to hear that. So uh, to fast forward once again, because you've accomplished so much and we have to get it in in one interview here, I hope. Or if not, you can just come back on the show. But uh, <laughs> was the plan to always go back to school or was there just something about, you know, I, I, did, I gave pro a shot. I enjoyed it. It was cool. But now I want to I want to go start my career and I want to go back to school. Like what was kind of the order for you in terms of like uh, I'm going to go back to U sports and, and I'm going to apply to go to Western? Yeah, it was um, it all happened very fast. So. I mean, yeah, like you and I talked about it a little bit, uh, as much as I love the pro experience and I think it's a really cool lifestyle and I definitely don't want to scare anybody from trying it or looking into it. I did have a really, really tough season abroad. Um, yeah, like we don't have to get, we don't have to get too far into it, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a really hard time for me. Um, I was really struggling competing on the court. Uh, and when that's 40 hours of your week, like, there's not much you do off the court. Um, so yeah, that was, it was, it was a really tough time for me. There was like stuff going on uh, with my family and health and being overseas across from everyone and, you know, being on the lower end of my team, trying to keep up, trying to keep up with these huge middles, not feeling like I was totally there. So it, it was really difficult, um, but I'm definitely happy that I got through it. And so to be honest, I, I came back. My plan was to go pro. Um, my boyfriend actually plays pro inline hockey. So he was in Paris last year. Um, and he was looking at places to go back. I was looking at places to go back. We were thinking of other contracts. And uh, I was working with my agent. Nothing like great was really coming up for me. Um, and I didn't really want to just go back to something that I wasn't going to love. And to be honest, as I was looking through that, like I had like, I was so upset and like so angry about how the last season had went. I just really, really, really wanted it to be better. And so I was, I was upset that I didn't get the experience that I wanted because I know that there's better experiences out there. And like, I love volleyball so much. And so I was definitely disappointed that that wasn't like the best thing that's happened. Um, and I really wanted to have a good experience pro volleyball. So even though I had a really, really challenging year, um, I just knew that there was something better. And so I really wanted to go give it another shot and just kind of fight for like an experience that I thought I'd kind of missed out on. Um, and so as the summer went on, I was, wasn't really getting contracts that I super loved. 
Um, Brandon, my boyfriend, got his MRI results back and had torn his labrum completely. Um, so he had to get uh, full surgery on his hip. And yeah, at that point, we were supposed to go to Italy for his for his hockey. And, you know, that happened. A bunch of other stuff happened. And it was like September 1st. And, you know, I was just going to figure out a contract once I got there. But we were like, what's going on? And so he's always been super, super supportive of me. And he had kind of said like, well, why don't you see if you can play at Western or, you know, that had kind of come up a few weeks before. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I want to go play pro again. And it was, it was just getting later and later. And it's like, well, maybe Western will work. Like you have to get your surgery in a few months. And so I, I texted Melissa and I was like, hey, like, I really don't know if this is going to work at all. It's already September. I'm not enrolled in classes. I'm not in a program. I was like, is it a possibility at all? And I'm not, I'm not confirming I want to do it, but like, is there a possibility to play at Western? And she was like, call me ASAP. So I called her um, and we had a chat and basically like they actually had one of their middles um, decided she wasn't going to return to the team like a week before then. And they were planning on taking another middle from open tryouts anyways. Um, so the stars just kind of aligned on that. Like this happened within four days of me calling her to be practicing with the team and being enrolled in classes. Uh, and obviously, you know, I played with Janelle Albert in my first year at TMBO and loved playing alongside her. So I kind of texted her and I was like, oh, like, what do you think? And she was like, you're joking. Like, there's no way this is happening. So we're just having a good chuckle about it. And she was like, no, you have to come. It'll be so fun. And so, yeah, it worked out. And now I'm back at Western. And yeah, basically the idea was I just really want to keep playing volleyball and I want to keep getting better. And especially with um last year like I said I didn't have the greatest experience that was also partially due to some terrible knee health and so I was ready to kind of get on top of that so do a little bit more strength and conditioning and get some some good metal medical attention for that so uh yeah the starts just kind of fall into place and I love being at Western it's a lot of fun wow what what an amazing story. And now I have to ask Melissa, what was your first instinct when, when Lindsay texted you? Because that's a pretty good gift to the program. that just like casual pro middle comes in and says, hey, is there any room for me? But what, what an experience. But I do have to ask uh, another unique experience for you where now you're coming in as a vet, but you're kind of a first year to a lot of these athletes because they may have not have met you or seen yeah. you play. So uh, what was those first couple of weeks just kind of getting familiar with the squad who may not know your story? Obviously, you're a London athlete, but uh, you're kind of a rookie and a vet in the, at the same time on this yeah. team, right? Yeah, honestly, like I was I was a little bit nervous to walk in because especially when you're joining a team that late, like everybody already knows what the roster looks like for the year. Like everybody knows who's on the team. And I was like, Oh, I'm just, I don't want to come in and like make waves and, you know, ruffle some feathers or anything. So I was a bit nervous coming into it. And um, yeah, my first practice, like Melissa hadn't told anybody that I was joining the team. And so I kind of, I'm at the gym. Like I'm just talking to Melissa. I got there early because I was nervous about being late. And Janelle comes and talks to me and I'm just like, come starting. She's like, okay, come on over. I'll introduce you to everybody. And so she just walks me out into the hallway and everybody's getting their stuff on. And she's like, okay, everybody, this is Lindsay. And she's on our team now. And they're like, oh my God, hi. And they all like, just like smiled and welcomed me like so warmly. It was so nice. I was, yeah, I was nervous, but they're just the nicest group of girls. And they just welcomed me so, so kindly and so quickly into their team. Um, yeah. So I, I left out there. Now, obviously, um, being playing for the hometown university and going back to school and obviously like your family's close by, but uh, did you do a little bit of research on the team and realize how strong they were going to be? Like you guys are off to, uh, as we're recording this, I think you're um, 
what are you guys 15 and three right now having a big year in the OUA like we're, we're about to hit playoffs like was that something that was exciting or honestly you just wanted to be close to home and this was a good option like did, or were you aiming for another OUA championship or what was the plan when you picked Western yeah I to, to be honest I wouldn't have come back to OUA volleyball or to Western if I didn't think we were going to have a really strong shot at winning. <laughs> um, and that's something I really want to do with this team and that we, we really want to do as a team. And we've, you know, we want to do it, but we're putting in the effort to do it as well. Um, and so, yeah, I was talking to Melissa about it. Like, you know, what's our goals for the season. And I know they had done pretty well last year. Um, talking to Janelle, like what's the team like? She's like, yep, we're going to be good. And I'm like, well, I'm looking at your roster and like, I can tell you guys are going to be really good. So uh, yeah, I definitely came back with the intention of wanting to be a, be a top competitor in OUA and U sports. And uh, I think we're, I think we're on track to do that. Now I am curious has much changed because uh, I don't want to sound like the old guy, but I feel like COVID kind of affected the first and second years that their, their careers got interrupted a little bit, but maybe now that we're later in the season, like, looking back at what you accomplished with TMU and now going pro and coming back, like is the level still climbing or did you feel that COVID kind of cost some of these younger athletes, some major competition when they were younger? Oh, that's a tough one. I think for me, since I mean, yeah, COVID took one year out for me, but it was my last year. So I had experienced most of it. And then that was like kind of a, a pause for me almost. It was like two years without OUA volleyball, but I wasn't really connected in it anyways. Whereas the girls in third year on my team, their first two years of university volleyball were COVID years. Um, so like not playing at all the first year and having like severe restrictions in their second year. So to be honest, I don't notice it much, maybe because I wasn't going through it. But like to me, the volleyball level in Ontario and in Canada has just been climbing so much year to year. And yeah, like maybe we had a little blip from COVID. Um, we're not like the States where, you know, we're just going to, be able to keep playing and we have the resources to just keep playing through it. Um, but I do think it's really climbing and, you know, we can see that from the club level of how many people are getting involved in sport from a younger age, how many clubs um, are playing, how many, you know, camps and position specific and all these resources and opportunities are just kind of popping up left, right and center for volleyball. So yeah, I think the ball level in Canada is, is still climbing. I, I definitely think it's still just as good as it was before COVID and, yeah, I just I think we have such a bright future for volleyball in Canada and the things that are opening up. I'm, I'm really happy to see where it's going. Yeah, that, that's so cool to hear. And it's so cool to hear your story and kind of follow the pathway here. I, I definitely learned a lot. And I know you're a great blogger and it was great to hear about and read about your story. But uh, it, it's good to get the behind the scenes here. And, and best of luck. You're not done yet. Obviously, a few big games left here and going into playoffs. So best of luck with that. But uh, we, we've kind of built a tradition on the show where we like to tell a funny or unique story where you've had a pretty unique story. But I imagine something odd or funny happened along the way. And I was hoping you could share one more story before we let you go. Yeah, for sure. Um so the one I was thinking is when we were at TMU, it's such a funny school because being so far down Toronto, we're just kind of like in the middle of everything. So we got some pretty unique experiences of like commercials and videos and films that were getting recorded and just like by the luck of God, they needed volleyball players for them. <laughs> so like in one year, the Dustin sent an email out to, to six of us and he sent it out to six of us who were, who were doing quite well in school. And so he was like, this is your reward for doing well in school. But um, the athletic department had gotten an email from some film industry saying, 
we need people to come be extras for a volleyball movie. Like, will you guys be in it? And so we recorded it at TMU in the gym. And so we got paid to go be extras for a volleyball movie. So that was like fun, like weird, weird thing we did. And then a few months later, maybe it was a year later, uh, it was right before the Tokyo Olympics and they were shooting Melissa and Sarah's Olympic beach volleyball commercial uh, down by the lakeshore. And they needed volleyball players to go like be their opponents that were just shadows. And so we got to go be in this Olympic commercial. Um, and so, yeah, we were like, we had no idea what we we're getting into. We just know we're going to like an Olympic shoot. But yeah, we got to go down to this like cool warehouse um, set. Basically they had trucked sand into the warehouse, like where they were shooting, they had the big Olympic ring. So yeah, when you watch that commercial, there's a bunch of shadows and it's just them like, looking really they were like your job is to make them look really good so don't jump very high we're going to put the net down like they're just going to bounce on you guys I'm like <laughs> okay great so we got to spend the day with melissa and sarah like playing fake beach volleyball while they did their <laughs> commercial um and it was just so cool like what a weird experience that we got to do and we got to hang out with them all day and we were just talking to them about you know what it's like being an olympic level athlete and wow like talk about like the two coolest people you can meet and yeah it, it was so fun and yeah. Also just like another side note, like we're so lucky in Canada, especially as like female volleyball athletes to have like just the best role models in the sport, like between them, Brandy and Sophie, like they're just really cool, awesome people to look up to. And like, they, they really took the time to like talk to us while we were there too. Um, and just, yeah, great people. Sophie was, um, a coach at TMU for us a little bit on and off. And so it was really cool to see her and just like see how hard somebody can work to get to where they are. So yeah, I think we're really lucky to have just great role models in, in the community. And um, yeah, so that was a fun little thing for me too. <laughs> Man, th th this is so cool. Thanks for sharing not only your story, but all the behind the scenes stuff you've been a part of. I, I definitely learned a lot and really enjoyed this. So thanks for coming on today and sharing all that you did. Oh, thanks for having me. That was so fun. <laughs>